So last week, we started a new series, and this series is called The Sermon, and I know it's, like I said, a brilliant title, uh, but it comes from us looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and that's Jesus' sermon from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. And last Sunday, we broke down the Beatitudes uh, from Matthew chapter 5, the first few verses from, from Latin, Beatitudo, uh, meaning supreme blessedness. We talked about how Jesus is getting away from all the crowds and all the thousands of people and all the healing that he's done. He's probably, he's half God, half human. He's probably a little wiped. He's probably a little tired, you know. There's, there's, Jesus had emotions, you know, one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Jesus wept, you know, Jesus gets tired. He tears of blood before, take this cup from me when he's in the garden. Uh, sweating blood before, before the cross. Jesus had emotions. He felt things. And I, I bet he was probably a little tired. He's like, I just need to get away. You know, um, so he goes up to the mountain and he starts talking to his disciples, the the committed people, not the committed people, like in the vests and the white bubbly rooms, but the committed people, the people who are committed to to his way and his teaching. He draws them up on the top of this hillside, on top of this mountain. And he starts sharing things with them. Jesus doesn't go up there and say, "Hey, let me share with you some beatitudes." He doesn't go up there and be like, "I've got these things called beatitudes. I want to share them with you." That word came later when they broke down the, the Bible into chapters and sections. He said, let me share my heart for your heart. Let me share what God's plan is for blessing no matter what. Let's talk about that. And he starts talking to just his disciples. This wasn't an everyone sermon. This wasn't an everyone speech. This wasn't Jesus shouting from the hilltops. This was a small conversation. It was more intimate and directed at those people who were following him. I feel like that's kind of us this morning. This is kind of a message directed towards maybe us or where we're at. And so we're going to keep looking through parts of, of this sermon. We're going to be bouncing around, and it's, going to, it's, it's three chapters, and we're not going to be able to cover all three chapters. Uh, we're going to cover good chunks of that. But I hope you're able to read um, what we don't cover between Matthew's five, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, and maybe fill in any gaps that you might have that we don't cover, because there's so much stuff in these three chapters, lots of red words. You know, we, a lot, Your Bible might be like mine, where they put the words that Jesus spoke in red, and there's page after page after page of, of red letters. That's good, good Jesus giving knowledge stuff. So we're going to read today from, again, Matthew chapter 6 today. Verses 19 through 24. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. And it says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Today's message is called simply treasure. Part of this sermon. Um, it's treasure. After reading this, I'm not going to make this longer than it has to be. This isn't going to hopefully be an hour or more of a sermon when it doesn't have to be. I really just want you to think about four questions. I want you to walk away. Talk about it over lunch. Talk about it with your families. Leave here or write these questions down and try to answer them honestly for yourselves. I want you to think about four questions that have a big impact, not so much on what happens here on Sunday mornings, but on your Monday afternoons, on your Thursday mornings, on your Wednesday evenings, on your Saturday afternoons. These questions determine how you spend your time, how you view relationships, how you make plans. And though this is really just a few short verses we've read, it's packed full of knowledge that we simply cannot ignore. So we're going to jump into the first question that we can read from this. First question, how much do you value things of this life? These are questions you have to answer. I can't answer these. The person sitting next to you, husband or wife even, son or daughter, they can't answer these questions for you. These are you answer questions. How much do you value the things of this life? And we get that from verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. How much do you value things of this life? Jesus tells us that whatever we value on earth can be destroyed. It will either be damaged, moth-eaten, expire from rust and age, or be taken like the thief stealing something. That new car you got back in 1995 or 2004, if you still even have it, it ain't new anymore. You might have had it paid off for a while, but you're probably having to make repair after repair. And these things with words like transmissions go and engine blocks just deteriorate and, and crumble. Or maybe it was totaled. Maybe you got it in a wreck, that car back in 1995. Maybe you got in a wreck a few years later and it's totaled. You don't even have that car anymore. It's damaged, gone. That cheddar cheese you got at the grocery store to put on your sandwiches and then you forgot about in that black hole of a drawer where things just disappear. You know what I'm talking about. Right? It just goes in there like, forget about it. I had cheese. And it's got that white stuff growing on it and it's not extra protein. That cheddar cheese is not good anymore. It expired. It has a lifespan. It's done. Remember that new TV you got a few years ago maybe and, and it was stolen when your house was robbed or broken into. You don't have that TV anymore. It was taken from you. Not by even your choice. Not by age. Not by destruction. It was taken Everyone immediately thought of Liam Neeson, you know, was taken. I will find you. you know. um, so many taken movies now. They've took and taken too far. So um, anyway, anything of this life is temporary. Anything of this life is temporary. We as modern day disciples of Christ need to heed his words and store up treasure in heaven. Now, how do we do that? How do we store up treasure in heaven? We do that by living for heaven today, being the hands and feet of Jesus. We do that through selfless giving and sharing the gospel. I think when we see what our treasure in heaven is, it's not going to be stuff. Not gold, not chests of loot, 
But people we've led to Christ, people we've ministered to. There's a Christian singer-songwriter I'm sure many of us have never heard of, in this generation at least, but back when mullets were cool and cassette tapes were in. Do you guys even know what cassette tapes are? His name's Kylie. I'm getting a weird... Okay, Kylie, we've lost... Okay, that's the age then. You know, James might have seen it in Dad's old tape deck or something like that. Kylie's lost cassette tape. It's like a VCR, but much, much... You know what a... Forget it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's on a 1988 cassette tape. This guy was named Ray Bolts, and he sang a song called Thank You. And I want to re- read for the first time, maybe you're hearing this, or remind you of these lyrics. I dreamed I went to heaven, and you were there with me. We walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing, and then someone called your name. You turned and saw the young man, and he was smiling as he came. And he said, friend, you may not know me now. And then he said, but wait, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord, and I am so glad you gave. How much do you value the things of this life, the stuff, not the people, not the relationships? I hope you remember to value the people in your life and share true life through Jesus Christ. That's why we're here as a church. That's why we're called True Life Church. Share true life through Jesus Christ. Share that with the people around you whenever you can. Tony, that guy at work, he needs some Jesus. And he might not know it or might not like it, but that's the bottom line. James, friend with the dog, needs some Jesus. And it might just be a dog to us or to some other people, but for him, man, it sounds like it was his world. Needs some Jesus. Every single one of us in here, regardless of, of loss, we need, we need some Jesus. That's the bottom line, automatic assumption for every single person ever living or going to live on this earth. Need Jesus. Talk about it with your kids. Build it into your dinner time or teams, your conversations. You know, we always have to get through this point of, of how, how was school today? And they say what? Fine. Okay, if they're going to stop there, fine. Go into a different conversation. What did you read in the Word today? Open-ended questions. Where did you see God work or move today? You can't answer fine with that. Talk about this with your families. Post it on Facebook. Stop worrying about the political stuff. Stop worrying about, ooh, here's a funny cat meme. Share Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, let's avoid the... Be hands and feet of Jesus. Not whips and boots of political agendas. Stop worrying about stuff. This is a question, again, you're going to have to answer. How much do you value the things of this life? Next question. What is the lens you view life through? This comes from verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Obviously, 
as you see from my bespectacled face, I have to wear glasses or contacts. Since I was about 10 years old, I've had to have prescriptions for corrective lenses. Oh, this is tough. I've actually, actually brought my first pair of glasses here this morning. I, I, I don't know why I still have these because um, they're not good anymore. And we can pass these around and get a good chuckle at how Josh used to look. Um, oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. I look like a what? A wizard. Okay. That's quite enough of that. Oh. Uh. First pair of glasses. And this is how I... <laughs> I see my wife looking back and at least it's just chuckling. She's got this smirk. I can wear these for the rest of the day if you, if you think they're more attractive. Are you sure? Are you sh- real sure? Okay. Later. Um. <laughs> this is how I see my life. This is how I see my life. I need these to be able to see. And my, Lisa doesn't get it. She hates it when I try to make her try on any of my glasses just to see what it's like. And if you have glasses or contacts, you understand. Without these, I can't see clearly. I'm nearsighted to the point where I can only see about a foot or less in front of me. If I take these off right now, I cannot read these words. If I want to check up the time on my alarm clock next to me, I need, I need my glasses on. If I want to see the college football scores on the TV or drive a motor vehicle, uh, I need my glasses or my contacts on. Now, whether or not you have a prescription for glasses or contacts, you have lenses. You do. They might not be goofy little perfectly spherical round gold gems of, you know, circa 1992, but you view your life through a lens. And that's our question. What is the lens you view your life through? Because what Jesus is ultimately saying here in this passage, is not condemning people for needing glasses. They didn't have them back then. He's saying that if you're looking at good things, at godly things, you will be filled with, guess what? Good and godly things, light. We are supposed to be the light of the world. But if you're walking through this life spiritually blind, spiritually blind, you're in a whole world of darkness you don't even know about, eternal darkness. That's why it says, how great is that darkness? If you don't even know you're in the dark and you think you're in the light, you're in darker dark than regular dark. It's like super dark, like way more than I need a nightlight dark. And a lot of us, I think, are in... That how, how do I look at my life? How do I look at my life? What lens do I, what's my filter? If you view this life from a worldly perspective and focus on the darkness, the sadness, the discouragement, the sin that tries to lay claim to your life, guess what? It will be a dark, sad, discouraging, sin-filled life. Focus on the light of the Lord in this life, the good things, the blessings regardless of the circumstances, the forgiveness despite the sin through the grace of the cross. And that's our second question. 
what is the lens you view life through? Is it through a God lens focused on what he wants for you, what he has in store for you, for his word, his message to you in any situation? Or is it, I'll get by. I'll lean on that when I have to, when things go bad. Our next question, third question, third of four. Who or what do you serve? Who or what do you serve? This comes from verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So your question, who or what do you serve? What is the master of your life? Is it your job? Is it your car or having one? Is it your yard? You have to have the bushes perfectly maintained. Is it your house or decorating? Go a little crazy down the old-time pottery. Is it having everything around you just the way you want it to be? Is that what you're a slave to? Are you a slave to the paycheck? Got to have the money. Just need the money. Do you live to work or work to live? Who or what do you serve? This is either a really easy question for you to answer or a really, really hard question for you to answer. But I'll bet when we answer in our heads, most of us don't immediately think Jesus. We probably jump to our jobs. We think, I'm, my job is really the master of my life. That's what I go to five, five and a half, six, seven days a week. Maybe it's my own business. Maybe I'm a manager and I just have to do everything by myself. Maybe instead of Jesus, our brains dump to our school classes. That's the master of my life. Homework rules me. They own, they own you. Yeah. Got tons of homework. Marching band. Maybe it's marching band. Maybe it's the tenors. Maybe that's the master of your life. And I said, more time on tenors, more time on snare, drum, play, 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 play. Maybe you've got a dictator for a band director, and he's like, play, 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 play. And like, I have to play, 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 because he's not in play, play, play. You can't do anything. You have no life. (laughs) Maybe the master of your life is your friends. You're the social butterfly, and you've been out of your cocoon and going cray-cray. And just you're on the text and on the phone. And the cell phone is called that for a reason, because it's your prison. And you're just in there all the time in your cell. You get that now, okay. And you're just, okay, uh, I try to work him in every once in a while. Maybe it's your cell. Maybe you're a prison, prisoner to the, to the interwebs and the texting and the, the Facebook and the email. The email. Maybe you're a slave to your house or your hobbies. Anyway, this is an issue for a Christ follower. You realize that, right? Issue, problem, warning, flash, 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 red light. And we're like on the, we're like we have a problem on a virus on our computer. It's like ignore, <laughs> yeah, whatever, <laughs> ignore. And this buzzer is going off. It's like a mosquito. We're like, get away. I don't want to think about it. This is a problem that I know is in my life that I don't want to address because it's sucking the blood out of my life. That's not in here, by the way. This is just off the top of my head. 
And God, Jesus reminded us, we cannot serve both God and money. We can't have two masters. You cannot be faithful to FSU and UF. You cannot like Florida State as much as you like the University of Florida in Gainesville. Cannot happen. Cannot happen. Impossible. And when we think about this maybe from a college football madness perspective, as I'm up and writing this, watching college football, some of that weaves its way in here. We either love one, FSU, and hate the other, UF. Or love the other, ooh, UF, and hate, hate the other, ooh, FSU. And then there's some Miami fans who are like, what is going on? Can we win a game? And then there's Georgia fans who are like, what happened? We were good. And then there's Florida fans who are like, what happened? We were bad. So anyway, if you think about this from the college football perspective, maybe that'll help line some things up for you. What team are you playing for? You're on the team. Congratulations. You're a walk-on, okay? You're on the team. What team are you playing for? If God is your coach, you serve either on the sidelines or on the offense or on the defense or maybe in the upstairs booth. You can't be the quarterback for the University of Florida Gators and show up for the game in a golden garnet jersey and go to the other sideline and be like, I'm ready to play. Put me in. Ain't going to happen. And just like football, life doesn't work that way. But I'm under the impression that there's a lot of wishy-washy Christians in our world, people who will serve whatever team is convenient at the time. They're winning. <laughs> I'm going over here. Stand for a while. Church, bad. Yeah, yay. Come over here. Don't want to really focus on what it says. They'll change jerseys between the week and Sunday mornings. Put on different clothes. Play for another team. They'll have a rainbow flag on Facebook when they don't time, take the time to, to read what this says. They'll argue context and semantics and ignore the plain truth that you either believe everything this book says or you do not. Plain and simple. Basic truth, number two. We all need Jesus, number one. Two, you either believe this or you don't. All of it or none of it. Take your Be hot or cold, not lukewarm. That gets spit out. Some Christians say that other Christians are, are closed-minded and pretend Jesus didn't give the most open-ended, grace-filled invitation to every single person who ever lived. They'll say, I believe in God and not live by his word. What team are you playing for? Does your week work around your faith or do you squeeze it in when you can? You cannot serve both God and the world. You have to choose a team. Who or what do you serve? A.K.A., what team are you playing for? At least to our final question. We actually read this earlier, but we're going to focus and finish on this, and it's verse 21. Matthew 6, 21. I hope you underline it. It's short enough to memorize. It's one verse. Underline it, highlight it, draw stars, asterisks, arrows, whatever you need to do. This is the verse for today. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Got to have that verse underlined, memorized, know it, live it within your heart. Where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Say it with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 21. What is your treasure? What is your treasure? If your treasure is your house, that's what matters most to you. 
If your treasure is your business, that's what matters most to you. If your treasure is your iPhone, that's what matters most to you. If you just lost your iPhone, you'd freak out if you didn't have that iPhone. If your treasure is Jesus, he is what matters most to you. Jesus shouldn't be number three on our totem pole. Can't. It's not the place for Jesus for us, for anyone. If we have Jesus, Jesus is number one or number zero. Got to be one or the other. Where our treasure is, is where our heart is. We can't separate those things, treasure and heart, what we value and our passion. I think we get to this place of Christian complacency and we forget how great, how vast, how wide and deep the love of Christ is for us. We forget he was a real person who died on a cross enduring death and shame for our sins. We forget how much he loves us. We do. We take it for granted. We forget it on Tuesday afternoons in a business meeting. We don't think about it on Thursday mornings when we wake up and we're in a hurry to go to school. We show up to churches all across America on Sunday mornings and somehow miss the real treasure. Maybe some of us get caught up at other churches or even this one in great bands and lights. That looks cool. That was a great experience. And a powerful motivational speaker. I feel great. You talk about the Bible? No. Just made me feel good. Maybe it's coffee and social hour. Hey, how was your week? Mine was good. Oh, they're having church. Go in late. Let's keep talking. Jesus is the best treasure we have ever been given. And that's why we should gather here on Sunday mornings. To find him together. To really be thinking about these questions today. Talk about them over lunch, in the afternoon, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You get the picture. Involve biblical word Jesus conversations in your life. Our questions How much do you value the things of this life? What lens do you view your life through? Just remember my goofy glasses and you'll remember that one. Who or what do you serve? And what is your treasure? My prayer for each one of us this morning that Jesus is that treasure for us. That he is the gold of our lives. He is what's worth fighting for discovering, and living. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, through these words we've been working through in the Sermon on the Mount, God, there are questions that we have to answer if we're going to be real with our faith, real with you. Because you already know our hearts and what dwells in it. You already know how sinful we are, and yet you love us. And so we ask this morning that we are able to strip off the things that hinder us in running the race, to leave behind maybe the past,
to leave behind maybe a habit, a bad habit, we just need to stop, to, to leave behind a schedule that doesn't involve you in it, to leave behind bad friends or social interactions that don't build us up but tear us down. As we run our race, the path that's marked out for us, God, may we run with perseverance. And just like that football game that we've been talking about through the message, that we would be playing for your team. Or no other. That you would be the coach, the play caller of our lives. And that whether we find ourselves on the sidelines or the quarterback running defense and having to defend for your word or offense and take that word to the people who might not want to hear it. May we be a fit team, spiritually athletic, knowing the playbook of your word and finish the game. 